We've talked a few weeks ago, uh, just to review, we've talked about how within all of our hearts there is three embedded heart problems. Proverbs and Ecclesiastes talk about this. Some of the wisdom, the Old Testament books in the Bible talk about this. How there is this stubborn self-centeredness that we all have in our hearts. Just this desire to get what we want. I want what I want in life. Each one of us struggles with that. The role of parenting is, is to train that stubborn self-centeredness out of us as kids so that when we're adults, we're not still um, demanding to get what we want all the time. You know, Hopefully our parents have helped train that out of us, but oftentimes um, that's not dealt with. And so as adults, we struggle with this stubborn self-centeredness. There's also something in our hearts called arrogance. We all have this feeling that we're slightly more important than everyone else. You know, in this room, we have this idea that I'm kind of the most important person here. When we look around, when we're at work, we're thinking, I'm kind of the most important here. You know, at home, we we tend to believe that we're more deserving than other people. And so not only do do we want what we want, but because of our arrogance that's inborn, we think we deserve to get what we want. And to top it off, we also have something called harm in our hearts. There's this willingness to hurt other people. And it's not that we're wanting to go and bludgeon people with objects and painful you know, weapons, but what it is is we're willing to harm people in order to get what we want. So if someone stands in our way, someone blocks a goal that we have in life, we're willing to do whatever we need to do in order to get our goal, the thing that we desire, the thing that we want. And so out of those three heart problems that, that we face, there grows five different, according to the Scriptures, there's five different fools or foolish strategies that grow out of those three heart problems. And we've looked at two of them so far. The first two fools that we've looked at are the most common strategies that create problems in relationships. They actually cause cause a great deal of frustration. Is The first one is something called the casile. That's the easy way fool. It's just believing that life is pretty simple. It's pretty easy. And so we can... We can take the most passive approach in life. We can just do things to get what we want out of life. And we, we tend to lie in order to, to cover up for the things that, that we've done in order to get what we want. It's a struggle that many, many men face. Um, it's one that I struggle with, just not wanting to, to do the hard thing. So finding ways to go around the hard thing, doing the easy way. Well, that creates a tremendous amount of frustration in relationships. If you struggle in that same way of trying to take the easy way out, then, then that, that creates frustration. The other one is the reactive way fool. We looked at that last week. And the reactive way fool uses anger and emotion in order to get what they want. So you have, in that approach, a very controlling, manipulative, um, sometimes using rage and lots of anger in order to get what that person wants. So you have those two fools in the Old Testament scriptures. The, the Hebrew, the Old Testament was written in the language of Hebrew, the biblical language, and, and so you have these two Hebrew words, the kasil and the evil. And those two words in Hebrew translate in English as fool. When you read them in the English Bible, everywhere where the word fool comes up, there's at least five different of these, there's actually nine different words that may crop up, but there's five different life strategies. And so we, we're looking at these different life strategies. The, the one we're going to look at today is, is a different foolish strategy called the fun way. The fun way. And the Hebrew term for the fun way fool is the sackle. And they are the most, they're a little more dangerous than the 
the two that we've already looked at, okay? The other two create a lot of frustration in relationships. When there's a reactive person and an easy way person, they butt heads. But when there's a fun way person, kind of like this character up here, there's a lot, a lot more uh, potential for harm, a lot more potential for destruction and danger just because of the approach that they take in life. This is, this is really kind of a, a next step for the easy way fool. If, if the easy way fool continues on in their approach, just the real passive approach in life, it's very easy to slide into this next um, foolish pattern, the sackle, to, to begin to move from easy way into the fun way, just believing that life's all about having fun. There's no restraint, no consequences, and so they just do whatever they want. So let, let's look at this. You've got a listening guide here to, to follow along. The attitude of the fun way person is they're focused on desire. They're focused on desire. They lock on to something. They see what they want, whatever it is. Alcohol, sex, gambling, drugs, whatever pleasure it is they lock onto. They just lock onto it in a very addictive way and they just jump right in to get that thing. And this can cause real problems in a relationship. If, if you're married and, and this is something that crops up in your relationship, then this will become a real, real problem. In friendships, this is a real problem. They, they just ignore the consequences because they don't believe there's any. Part of it stems out of the fact that in their parenting or in their childhood, um, possibly the parents did not train out the stubborn self-centeredness. They never held the child accountable to any actions or to their actions. And so when things were done wrong, when boundaries were pressed, and parents said, you better not do that, you better not do that, the kids do it, but the parents don't follow through with the consequences. There's no consequences. So they begin to learn over time that I can get away with whatever I want in life. I can do what I want to do without having to pay a price for it. Does that make sense? And you see it grows up, it grows up from childhood, but in adulthood, the consequences that we needed as kids become much, much more painful as adults. We really pay a price for a lot of these things. Some of the characteristics you find is that the, this person is impulsive. They're irresponsible. And they're deprived. You know, they, they tend to block out the rest of the world and focus in. They lock in on what they want. And they, they're just compulsive in nature. They have a hard time reigning in their mind. When, when they think they want to do something, it's hard for this person to think about anything else than going after what they want. If they dabble in drugs or drunken behavior, then they're going to experience pain all along the way. But over time, the consequences, they come through their life and it destroys them, kind of like a tornado will destroy a home. It just whips through and it just destroys this kind of person. So again, you can see why this creates a lot of problems in family life and friendships. The whole, their whole world just kind of comes crashing down because of this strategy. Now, when we look at all these different foolish strategies, it's easy to see um, some of the things that they do in our lives. Just little bits and pieces. So, um, what I think is most helpful as we look at these, these life patterns, these strategies, is that you, you highlight... Some of the things that you identify with, some of the things you struggle with, and just note, you know what, I can see myself struggling with that area. I may not be full-blown 
this kind of person. But I see some tendencies in my life. Because I don't want you to just listen in and think, yeah, there are a lot of screwed up people in our world. I really think this would be helpful to really look at it and try to think about just little things in, in our own lives that would keep us from sliding into where this takes over and we become this kind of person. This defines us. So we don't want that to happen. Often these folks have a hard time with money. Money kind of, they can't hold on to it. They're deprived people. Um, many times people lose everything who, who struggle with this pattern. The key tool that the sackle, the, the fun way foolish person uses is denial. They're in denial, constantly in state of denial. I don't have a problem. There is no problem here. They just, they, they're having a hard time getting a grip on reality. Look at Jeremiah 5.21. It says, hear this, you foolish, or you sackleish, you could, that's the word sackle, and senseless people who have eyes but do not see, who have ears but do not hear. You know, God's saying, you know, they don't listen. They're not paying attention to what I'm saying. They don't really care to pay attention. They just dive right in and do what they want. That's the, the tendency and, and they're in denial. They don't realize that this, this is a problem. You know, they've got eyes, but they, they don't see. They've got ears, but they don't hear. They're, they're in constant denial of reality. This is a real struggle. King David, who was one of the most godly men, you know, in, Old Testament, in the Old Testament he was a king, one of the key leaders for Israel. He had a point in his life where he sackled. He, he, he chose the fun way. There's a few times when he did this. But there's one in 2 Samuel chapter 24. And this may be one that you're not familiar with. You may be familiar with the other time where he committed adultery and just kind of dove right in and, and then had someone murdered to cover over it. Another great example of that. But this in this account, 2 Samuel chapter 24, he decided he, he wanted to number his fighting men. He was going to go into battle. He wanted to know how strong his army was. But it was forbidden. God forbid that kings numbered or counted their fighting men. Because the reason why is because then they would put their trust and their hope in the men, in the number of men that they had. They'd, they'd, they'd say, okay, we've got you know 8,000 men. Okay, and they've only got this. So they end up putting their trust in what they could see rather than putting trust in the Lord. So God forbid them to do that. Well, David decided he wanted to do that anyway. And Joab, his commander, went to David and said, What are you thinking? You don't want to do that. We shouldn't be doing that. Well, David, he just blew past the advice that Joab had given him. He got the warning, but he just didn't listen. And he did what he wanted to do. He just dove right in and he started counting his fighting men. And then David, he realized that that brought great harm on him. In 2 Samuel chapter 24, you don't have this, I don't think, in your in your notes, but I, I've just got that here. So I'll read that to you guys. He realized that he had done wrong. Verse 10 of chapter 24 says, David was conscience stricken after he had counted the fighting men. And he said to the Lord, I have sinned greatly in what I have done. Now, O Lord, I beg you, take away the guilt of your servant, for I have done a very foolish thing. The word is sackle. I've done a foolish thing. He just dove right in, blindly. He did what he wanted to do. You know, and there are just some times when we 
We know what's right, but we just dive right in anyway. We do what we want to do. That's this pattern. That's this struggle that we face. Regardless of the consequences, that's what David did here. And it's interesting, there was great consequence for David's action here. Great, great harm came upon his people. You can read about that in Second Samuel chapter 24. Many, many people died. God gave him an option. He said, since you've done this, then you can pick the consequence. He gave him three different consequences. And, and so, based on the consequence that David chose, many, many thousands of people died because he, he chose a different way. He chose the fun way. He just dove right in and did what he thought. So this has, has that's why this one is a lot more dangerous. God holds, um, you know, held him much more accountable. He holds us more accountable when we just dive into things. Look at the approach to life. Their approach to life is this, blind desire. Blind desire, they're impulsive. Again, they just lock on to what they want to do. They won't listen to anyone. They're reckless. They're blind to the consequences. Again, because they've never experienced them growing up. They're beaten up by life. These are all things, if you take all the passages that have this word, these are some of the things you'd find. They're beaten up by life. They tend to have a hard time holding down employment, possibly ending up unemployed, possibly ending up without anything. Home, cars, nothing. Um, there's talk without walk. They just, they're just constantly talking. There's a verse in Ecclesiastes 10.14. It talks about this struggle that this person faces where they just um, struggle with saying too much. Look at this. It says in the, there's two definite patterns that they struggle with. And the fool multiplies words, or he, he, has, he has a lot to say. No one knows what is coming. Who can tell what will happen after him? He thinks he's got a pulse on the future, but he really doesn't. Who can really know that? Look at this next translate, or this is a paraphrase of the same verse. It says, a fool knows all about the future and tells everyone in detail. But who can really know what is going to happen? You know, they, they feel qualified to talk definitively about the future. This is what's going to happen in the future. And in this area, this is what's going to happen in the future. But they really don't know the future, do they? And then what they find out is it doesn't happen. And they put all their hope and their promise and all their eggs in that basket. And then it falls apart because they don't know the future. And so this is, this is one of the struggles, though. They, they believe they really do. Jeremiah 5, 21 through, 20, through 25 is a passage that highlights how this person is also a big talker about their religious beliefs. You know, they've got lots to say about religion and spiritual things, but it's very empty. Um, because their religious beliefs have very little impact on their actual lifestyle. They get a lot of ideas in their head, but it doesn't really impact their heart. They just, we, we have a hard time moving it down into our heart, into our direction, setting center. So, this is, those are some approaches. Now, this has great impact on other people. Look at... Look at the way that it impacts uh, other people. First off is dishonor comes up. Dishonor. Even good people are dishonored. That's kind of what happened in King David's situation there. Ecclesiastes 10.1 says this. It says, As dead flies give perfume a bad smell, so a little folly or so a little of this sackle, the fun way, outweighs wisdom and honor. 
So even good people can be taken down by choosing the fun way in life. It can destroy our honor, our reputation, if we'll just give in to this. And I've seen this happen. I've seen people really begin to slide into this behavior and then it just destroys everything that they built up. I worked on a staff in a church probably 12, 13 years ago, and I was interning, and I was interning alongside one of the pastors, and um, within a few months, I started noticing that there were some things, there were some boundaries that were being crossed, a lot of different people. I just noticed some things, so slowly began to make my exit from that position, because I could see things were not as they should be within a church, and so, but before long, there was three pastors that basically had damaged their reputation by just blowing past some boundaries. They chose the fun way in life. And because of that, they all went down. None of them are in, are in ministry anymore because they chose to just do what they wanted to do. They blew past boundaries. They were blind to the consequences. And they lost their ministry. They lost their future in ministry. And that's the way that this thing can really destroy you know, good people. People in business. You ever seen in business where this happens? You know, CEOs. You've you've probably seen this. You know, you read about Enron and the different people in some of the large corporations that they chose the fun way. They chose to to go after what they wanted, to have a certain kind of lifestyle, and they didn't care about the consequences. Well, eventually, it it you know it found them. The consequences found them. So we should take those those situations and those things we see as a warning to really keep an eye on our lives and the, and the, and the choices that we make so that we don't slide into this behavior. Another thing that develops is disrespect. Disrespect will develop over time. If we choose this, people will begin to not take us seriously. Look at Ecclesiastes 10.3. It says, Even as he walks along the road, the fool lacks sense and shows everyone just how stupid he is. It's obvious to people around us, if we'll choose this, that we're, we're acting pretty foolish. We're disrespected by people. It takes a while to earn people's respect again, and so we should be very careful when we slide into this. Look at the way that impacts in the movie that we were looking at. Look at the response that the wife has. It's interesting. I'll give you a little bit of context here. The, the husband who was dancing on the table, he's, he ended up losing his family and everything, loses the ability to see his kids. And, and so in order to see his kids, he dresses up like an old woman and becomes a, a nanny and gets hired by the family in order to just remain in touch with his family. And so she, the husband, is talking to her husband, dressed up as an old woman, believing it's a nanny, and uh, they're talking about him, the way he acts, the foolish behavior. So look at the impact it has on, on their relationship. RuPaul, it was Daniel's spontaneity and his energy I fell in love with. Really? Everyone else I knew was so organized, so scheduled. Like me, I guess. Daniel was so wonderfully different and funny. He could always make me laugh. They always say the key to a solid marriage is laughter. But after a few years, everything just stopped being funny. Why? I was working all the time, and he was always between jobs. I hardly ever got to see the kids, and on the nights I would try to get home early to be with him, something would go wrong. The house would be wrecked, and I'd have to clean it up. He never knew, but so many nights I just cried myself to sleep. 
Really? The truth is, I didn't like who I was when I was with him. I would turn into this horrible person. I didn't want my kids growing up with a mother like that. When I'm not with Daniel, I'm better. And I'm sure he's better when he's not with me. Well, you never... I mean, did you ever say anything to him, dear? Daniel never liked to talk about anything serious. I used to think Daniel could do anything, except be serious. But then I was serious enough for everybody. So you see the impact it made on his relationship to his wife. She just did not respect him. It cost him his marriage. So it has great impact. This, this, this foolish strategy has great impact on others and on ourselves. Look at the way it impacts us. If we'll choose this. We're deprived. There's deprivation. Jeremiah 5.25. It says, it says, your wrongdoings have kept these away. Now, the verses previous to this, the context is he's talking about how God is in charge of the harvest. That when we plant, you know, things grow. And, and you know, if you're in farming and you work and you till the ground, you plant seeds and you, know, you water it, then when harvest time comes, you should experience the, the blessings of harvest. You should experience the results of harvest, right? Well, he's saying because they they don't do that, you know, their sins have deprived them of anything good. They cannot put anything together in life. They've not been able to experience the good things. The rewards just never seem to reach this fun way person. They're deprived. Another thing is there's just repeated devastation. Repeated devastation in life. Jeremiah 4:22 It says, my people are fools. They do not know me. They are senseless children. They have no understanding. They are skilled in doing evil. They know not how to do good. The, the fun way person is just repeatedly devastated over and over and over. But he or she is blinded to the cause of their situation. They experience pain, but they don't know where it's coming from. Man, why? They don't ever think to ask the question, why is this always happening to me? They cannot put it together that it's a result of their, of their own causes. They don't connect cause and effect. And according to this, type of ver- uh, to this verse, this type of person has no idea on how to create good in their situation. They have no idea how to put life together. They have no idea how to sustain a healthy lifestyle. They won't experience it. And the last thing is there's even self-destruction. Self-destruction. Ecclesiastes 7.17 says, Do not be overwicked and do not be a fool. Why die before your time? For those who have a pattern in this, those with addictive personalities, those who really, really struggle with addiction, um, oftentimes it seems like because there is no consequences to our behavior, you feel like, you know, people mistake the graciousness of God, the fact that He's gracious and He doesn't always bring consequences. We mistake that as, you know, consequences will never come. But then the consequences actually come. Whoosh, they just come in. And everything is pulled out from under us. We find ourselves really destroyed and the price will be paid. And that's the thing about this lifestyle is it will destroy. And it has 
great impact on others as well. So let's look at what the scripture says on how to change. There's three, three areas to change. The first thing is this. Become a person of good judgment. If you struggle in this way, one of the most important things is to, to become a person who has better or good judgment. Good judgment. It's really important. 2 Timothy 1.7 says, For God did not give us a spirit of timidity, but a spirit of power, of love, and of self-discipline. This word self-discipline, it basically means um, sound mind, literally. To have a sound mind. To be able to control what goes on inside of our heads. Because the sackle, the person with the fun way, is just completely impulsive and just self-gratifying all the time. There's always just doing what they want to do. And so this person needs to have better judgment. They need to be, get a grip on what's going on inside of our heads. And not just be... Um, not allow our minds just to drag us around with every thought that comes through it. So if this is your struggle, then you must deal with your impulses over and over again. As impulses come up to just do what you want to do, to do something that would cause you to abandon your, your, your responsibility, to do something that would just cause you to um, go after what you want, even if it damages the people around you, you have to, to rein your mind in. Try to get self-discipline. Get a sound mind. And sometimes this... this for those that are in addictive, if the struggle is very addictive for you, compulsive, then you may need some help. I'd encourage you to check into something. There's some really good Christian recovery programs. Um, there's some, some groups that are set up to really help in this way. And then along with that, to have some accountability, to be a part of, a, to be a part of small groups. We offer groups here. But to be involved in people's lives because you need people who will walk alongside you when you deal with this stuff, who will help, who will help you when you fallen again to say, you know what, I want to I walk with you. I want to I encourage you. I want to challenge you. I want to hold you accountable to some of these things you'd like to find your way out of. There's a scripture that you might want to memorize. It's 1 Corinthians 10.13. If you struggle in this way, this is a scripture I'd memorize. 1 Corinthians 10.13, it says, No temptation has seized you except what is common to man. And God is faithful. He will not allow you to be tempted beyond what you can bear. But when you are tempted, He will also provide a way out so that you can stand up under it. It's really important that you realize that the desires that come up inside of us do not have to control us. They do not have to take over our lives. God gives us, He promises, with the temptations that come, with the desires that come, He promises to give us a way out. And oftentimes we just have to be patient and wait. It's not always... Right at the same moment the desire comes. We have to wait. But if we'll look, there's a way out. God will provide a friend will call. Um, he'll just trigger in your mind the fact, the cost that that would, or the price that would be paid if you were to choose to go after what you want in that moment. And so, look for the way out that God provides. Another thing is this. If you struggle in this way, then bear your own responsibility. Extremely important here. Bear your own responsibility. 1 Thessalonians 4, 11-12 says, Make it your own ambition to lead a quiet life, to mind your own business and to work with your hands, just as we told you, so that your daily life may win the respect of outsiders and that you will not be dependent on anyone. Just trying to build this pattern. The, the, this person, the fun way person, tends to want to bail on responsibility. They want to bail on even their family. They're willing to walk away from that. And so, begin a new pattern to pursue 
um, your responsibility. Focusing on pursuing your, your own responsibility, carrying your weight in life is very important. Not just chasing after the next desire. Look at First Thessalonians 5.14. This, this, is, this is the role we can play in the lives of people who are struggling in this. It says, And we urge you, brothers, warn the, those who are idle. Encourage the timid. Help the weak. And be patient with everyone. There's very, very specific prescriptions that the Scripture says when we're to counsel people, when we're to help people. It says, it says you warn those who are idle or lazy. There are times that people are, are weak and they really need our help. The Scripture says you help the weak. When people, and we have to decide, is this person, if, am I going to help someone who is idle, who's lazy, because what that will only do is enable their irresponsibility. It will enable their behavior for the future, and they'll never experience the consequences. We need to experience consequences if we're going to make progress out of them. And so the scripture here is really interesting. It gives us a plan. You, know, you help the weak. When people need help that are weak, they're doing what they can do, but they just, you know, they're doing all they can. You know, then, then come alongside them, help them. You encourage the timid. If someone's really struggling, they just don't know if they can do it. They're, they have no courage they need to get behind them and say, you know what, you can do it, buddy. You can do it, lady. I don't know what the term would be for the female buddy. <laughs> Letty? It didn't work. Okay. Well, you can do it. And, you know, just to come alongside them and, and you know, they're timid. They need some encouragement. But for the, for the lazy, for the idle person, for the fun way person, um, if you just encourage and help all the time, that will just enable this behavior to continue. Scripture says you be patient with everyone. So across the board, God calls us to be patient with all people. So if there's people in your life who are struggling with this, it's not okay to not be patient with them while they're working through this stuff. You need to be patient with them. You need to pray for them. And then at the same time, you need to play the right supporting role. The last thing is this, is to set your heart on pleasing the Lord. Ecclesiastes 2.26 says, To the man who pleases God... To, I'm sorry, to the man who pleases him, God gives wisdom, knowledge, and happiness. But to the sinner, he gives the task of gathering and storing up wealth to, the, to hand it over to the one who pleases God. This too is meaningless, a chasing after the wind. You see, the, the fun way, he thinks going after his desires, he or she believes that will bring about real happiness. But God says none of that will. He says to the one who pleases God. God will give wisdom, knowledge, and happiness. It, God gives this stuff to us if we'll choose to set our hearts to please Him. How do we do that? There's two things. One, we take God seriously. We enter into a relationship with Him. Proverbs 1, seven says, The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. The starting point for walking with God is to break through into a relationship with Him in Jesus Christ. To fear Him. To begin to take Him seriously. To not goof off and not monkey around and believe that we can get away with whatever we want in life, but to actually take God seriously. It's like if you're, if you're a parent, you're trying to get your kids to focus, and you're like, hey, focus, and, they'll do, and you're like, focus, focus, I'm trying to, t-, and they're just goofing around, and you're like, focus, focus. This is kind of what it's like when we're not, when we're choosing the fun way, we're kind of goofing off on God. Yeah, I got it, I got it, I got this, and we, God's not able to really speak to us because we're just dancing around and we're playing games. So he wants us to take him seriously. To believe that there's really consequences. That he will, that he's really in charge of cause, 
you know, if we'll, if we'll do things, that we will reap what we sow in life. We believe that. And the other thing is just don't violate the law of love. There's a long verse here. We're not going to read the whole thing. But basically, there is this greater law called the law of love in the Scripture. When Jesus said that the most important commandment was to love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength, and the second is to love your neighbor as yourself, he's talking about that law, that love is extremely important. And if our actions, if what we're doing violates the law of love, if it's going to damage other people rather than showing love to them, then um, that doesn't please God. So we should try to, to express with our, you know, with our lives the fact that we love the people around us, the, the people that we're responsible for, that depend on us. They need us to show them love by choosing things, not just going after our own goals and desires. So that, that's this third foolish pattern. Next week we're going to look at um, the last two. We'll kind of wrap it up next week. So let, let's go to the Lord in prayer. Father, we thank you for your love. We thank you for the scriptures that you know, just lay out these different struggles that we face. And we thank you so much that we do not have to be trapped in these things. Lord, for myself, God, I, I, I struggle with just you know, wanting to do what I want to do. And sometimes just those desires crop up and, and it's so, so hard to, to rein my mind in. And so God... I know I'm not the only one who, who deals with that, Lord. I pray that as we deal with the wrong desires, desires to go after the things that just that we want and things that would satisfy us alone, Lord, that we would that we would take the, the way out that you provide. Lord, that you'd show us what that way out is. I pray that we'd be involved in the lives of other people here within the church. We'd allow people to get up close to us so that we wouldn't have to fight these battles on our own, but that with the strength that you provide and with the support that others provide, we could find true victory out of these foolish struggles. Lord Jesus, thank you so much for the hope that you offer to us, the hope of a new life. Lord, we just, we ask, Lord, that you'd redirect us towards your ways. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.